And I'm Karen Wright. It is 9.35. Joining me now, our good friend Barb Lampson for Gardening with Barb and Karen. Good morning, Barb. Hey there, Karen. What a beautiful morning it is. Oh, for sure. You know, last night I was out, and for some reason the gnats and the mosquitoes don't really bother me, and my neighbor lady was out looking at the gardens with me, and she says, oh, the gnats are so bad. So I know, and they bother Jeff more, too, so there's something I read somewhere. Sometimes there's certain scents or something that attract them. So I was just standing there, and she was swatting away. I don't know. How about you? Are you having... (laughs) You know what? In In the daytime, I don't have a problem, Karen, but last night, for the first time... I had to go out with my hose and water. I had used all the water from my rain barrels. And as I was standing there with the hose, back by the pine trees, the gnats came, and I got a couple on my neck. You know, I wonder if it's the soap that I use. Um, I always use Dove. I wonder if that's got fragrance with it, and that attracts them. Well, you know, that could be because I know it. I remember one time when I was at my old house and I used to have some sort of, I don't know if it was a a shampoo or something, but we were sitting on the steps outside the house and there was this giant cloud of bugs around my head. Nobody else. And everybody just laughed and laughed. And it obviously was some scent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I don't know why it is that these gnats are more active in the evening here you would have thought that they were getting ready for bed but they're not so well they might anyway. be maybe as as Blake would say they're nocturnal <laughs> yeah I think could very well be um you know we had a question uh from one of our good listeners and that was about her string beans and she said that her string beans which she got in fairly early uh they were growing they were beautiful all of a sudden the leaves had um not uh, like a fungal disease, like a, a rose gets a black spot, but the leaf was turning like purple. There was purple on it. It was lighter, darker in those spots. And she wondered if she should uh, pull them out and start over again because there would be enough time to do that, or if she should just um, sit and do a wait-and-see attitude. And, you know, with something like that, it's really hard to tell someone because there could be so many different reasons. If you have a, a deficiency of certain, certain minerals in your soil, you will get leaves that are turning more of a purple color. It could also be a result of um, the frost. When we had that frost uh, for three days, that did a lot of damage. Or here's another suggestion. Call the extension office. Um, and ask for Shane. He really has been so helpful. Well, you know, Barb, if she did plant them very early, beans are definitely a warm crop, and I've never had success planting them early. So, I mean, they could, it's one of those things where they could, like you said, the frost, or they could have been stunted, but definitely call call your your extension agent, and they're the ones that know that. Yes, right. Well, here's what Shane said. Oh, you talked to him. Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't talk to them, but the listener did, and I asked her to let me know what he said so that in case we got another call, we knew. And he thought that it might have been from the heat and the dryness and the winds. And uh, so he said, just leave them, which she did, and now she's got new growth coming. They've snapped out of it. Oh. I think that may have been what it was, but in this case, at least it saved the bean crop and she doesn't have to replant. So 
there's that fine line between, you know, wanting to dig something out because it might be diseased and wanting to get a new to reseed again so that you get your favorite vegetable. So, you know, kind of make that decision for yourself. If you need some more advice, Shane is great. The extension office is closed because they are um, with the University of Minnesota, and they're all working from home. So what you do is you call in there, and you must leave a message for Shane, and he will promptly get back to you and, and get you the information that you need. So sometimes we just don't know, or it's hard to say, especially when you think of digging out a whole crop right. of green beans. You know, other times it could be a, a, a nutrition, uh, nutrient deficiency, too. Uh, yeah. Sometimes when plant leaves turn purple, it could be a phosphorus deficiency because, uh, yep. and yep. so that's the thing, and I'm glad that you told her that, not to just dig it out, to, but to find out what to do first. So Sure, sure. And you know, like with phosphorus, now you'd, ha- you'd have to do a soil test. All of this would take time, sure. and, and you want some action right away. So that was great. And then I have to say thanks to our friend Lona, who um, visited me and brought me the most wonderful book. It's produced by the Burpee Company, the Seed Catalog Company, and it's on water gardening. And it is great. It's, it's not huge. It has colored pictures in it. And it talks about choosing the right spot if you're going to put in a... Um, any kind of a pond talks about the installation, how much, um, uh, how much uh, of this membrane, how to measure it. Because if you're figuring out the sides and what you have to stuff under, you know, to secure with your rocks and that, it gives you all of these measurements and ways to do it. And here's what I love: it's got plant portraits. Oh, it's- nice. Yes, and it talks about the plant. It tells what zone it's for. It tells if you can leave it in the water or take it out. And um, you know, I thought, I thought, well, that that's really good. And my neighbor just happened to have a plant that's called horsetails. Have you ever heard of that plant? Yes, they're they're very common along where you have a lot of moist moisture, and I learned that in science. I think it was want to say tenth grade. We were supposed to go out and search for certain plants, and I just could never find one. And apparently now I've seen them in Mankato, and they're very common. Yes, exactly. And one of the things about that is that that's an ancient plant. They they come from the times when we had mosses and ferns that covered the earth, and they reproduce by spores just like ferns do. I didn't know that before. Uh, so they're primitive. They have no leaves. They look like little zebra stripes. They're kind of like a straw with, when they first start out, they look like a straw with zebra stripes that are all green. Yep, yep. They, uh, they have hollow tubes. They resemble a bamboo somewhat. So um, I think this is really great. I have got them planted up and in the garden with the other two water plants that you gave me the leafy plant and I'm searching for that plant in my book. I can't find anything that quite matches it. I found a plant that is called Glycera aquatica. It is variegated but it gets a lot of yellow on the leaf Hmm. uh, as it grows. 
but it does say that it spreads readily, and if you get tired of it, you can just pull it out by the roots. And then that reminded me of Jeff pulling out my plants and giving them to me, <laughs> that they're easy to get rid of. So it could be that. It's hardy in zones 3 to 8, which, you know, that could be it. But I'll do some more research and stay tuned. I'll let you know about that. Okay. But I, I found that having a, a pond again is a nice distraction. When it is so hot, it's great to be doing something with the water rather than the soil. It has a cooling effect on me. Yeah, I still haven't. I was going to uh, fill mine in because it's been so costly. You know, I haven't started it up, meaning starting it up, putting the motor on and getting the waterfalls running. So right now it's basically a stagnant pool, which I'm kind of worried about mosquito breeding and that sort of thing, but it sure has tons of tadpoles, so I'm kind of excited about that. Maybe I'm thinking all those frogs will eat all the mosquitoes. Yeah, (laughs) and you know what, Karen? If possible, I may have to come and get some more tadpoles. Oh, well, you're welcome to have as many tadpoles as you'd like. Okay, well, you know what happened to mine? You killed them? No, I didn't kill them. (laughs) They swam away, they escaped. What? You have a pond that's enclosed. How How would it escape? We have that overflow close to the top because the water comes off the roof of the house and goes into the pond. Oh. And when there's enough, then it flows out into tubes and goes through <laughs> into the rest of the garden. They went right through that tube and left us. And so now... So you basically killed them. <laughs> well, they went down their own volition. Okay. So, <clears throat> but it, it made me very sad. So now we have a a net closing that off oh, so okay. that if I get more fish, they can't escape that way. So it was kind of a good thing to figure out before I spent a lot of money on fish and then came out the next morning and they were gone because they'd swam out through this tube. So anyway, that's a long story short. Well, no, that's all, you know, that's an example though of a gardener when finding solutions because we always have, there's always something that doesn't go right in gardening and sometimes it means pulling out a crop and sometimes it means putting a netting over your tube. It's just uh, problem solving, problem solving all the time. Yeah, it is. And that's why you have to be diligent. You have to keep, you have to stay connected with the soil and stay connected with what you're doing. You just, you can't put a plant in the ground and think you're done with it. It's like raising a child, you've, you've only just begun. Well, that reminds me of something I saw. I told you I'm on a, a on the Facebook. I'm on a gardening group that's kind of more general gardeners, and so somebody had taken a picture of their. It was a you know kind of an island garden, and it was weedy. They say, "What can I spray this with?" And I thought, "What can you spray it with?" You know, you sit down in an hour, you'll have that thing weeded. Why do you want to spray? It's a matter of sitting down, and you can do a little at a time, and then once you get the main weeds out, just Every time I'm walking through the yard, I'm picking little weeds, picking little weeds. I, it's just, I, you don't have to use chemicals. That's the thing that bugs me. It's, it's, it's just a little bit. You just have to put a little time in. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, this year, I talked about this a little bit last week. I finally have carrots growing beautifully in my garden, but they're still small. They're about mm-hmm. an inch and a half tall, and they still get these tiny little weeds that come up in the row. And I just have to go on my hands and knees and pick them out. As a matter of fact, I was telling Dave, I think it would be better if I had a tweezer so I could get right down to the soil because it's very difficult to get a hold of them and get them out without disturbing the carrot that's growing there. But I'm, I'm, I'm just absolutely determined that I am going to grow my own carrots, and I'm going to do this. Have you not done that before, Barb? 
I have, but for some reason, in in these last years, well, I would say four years ago was the last year I had I had carrots. I just had so many problems with them, getting mm. them up and germinating them. And I think what it was was um, because we have to water with uh, watering cans up there. We don't use a hose where you can use a fine mist. And people take those um, uh, the end piece off that that you can put on for making a, a mist. Do you know what I mean? Right. So you have you have your watering can, and then you have the spout that comes out, and then there's a plastic thing that's round that goes over that. And sometimes you can dial that to you know a much uh, a very soft spray, or you can just turn it over so you just get a regular spray. Well, somehow those things get misplaced, and I think we watered with that without that. I think we were washing away our seed. I, I'm pretty sure that's that's what happened. So this year we bring up our own watering can and we have a fine mist and we just gently mist and that's what these small seeds need plus the fact that I planted them in my own mulch I dug out a row and I filled it in with mulch and uh, mixed in a little bit of that soil and you know both of these things important and then of course I've been bringing up um, once a week the grass clippings and I've worked them in around each plant so that uh, the plant isn't drying out but there you go I mean it's it's kind of like just watching and reacting to what's going on so they're looking great hopefully we you know we have everything uh, on our garden we have the chicken wire so we shouldn't get a rabbit in there, but it seems like if rabbits really want to get in... They'll figure they, out a way. Yeah, they, they will. It doesn't take much. And you know, the, the reason I know the last time that I grew carrots up there, we had Patricia's um, little dog, Bella, and uh, she was moving from Savannah to Columbus, and we had her for the summer, and we were digging the carrots, and I was setting them on the grass as I dug them, and all of a sudden, I had her on a long tether. I looked, and here she had taken one of those carrots. It had the green stem on it, and it was dirty, and she was sitting with that in her paws, just like it was a bone, and she was just eating away on it, and I said, oh, Bella, it's not sanitary. It hasn't been washed. Oh, she didn't care. No, she didn't care. (laughs) And that was the first time that I knew that she liked carrots. Oh, funny. Yeah. yeah. So you have to observe everything in nature, including your uh, your pets as well. But this week, one of the things I have been doing is I bought some more compost that I'm using around the... um, bigger plants. You know, I'm using, um, I shouldn't say compost, I bought some mulch. I'm, I've got a living mulch around the iris and some other things, but I do use this mulch, and I use a shredded um, uh, bark, and that seems to stay in place really, really well. And I have been crawling around and pushing that under the hostas. I have thought that you know, slugs certainly wouldn't want to be crawling around on that. I hope they won't. Although, and, you know, it could provide a barrier to keep the moisture under, so they, they will be that, there, too. That's I mean, the main object, too, is to do that. You know, I have that blue angel hosta in my garden, 
and I've had some people over and visited. You saw the Blue Angel. It's got to be at least four feet across and probably, I don't know, I would say maybe 30 inches high. And that hosta, as I'm thinking back, is probably 35 years old. And I just don't want the slugs to find that and start eating that up because it's just so nice to see that. It's it, it's not particularly beautiful. It's a blue-green color, and it has crimply and real heavy veined edges. But it's just remarkable to see something grow that big. Yeah, so... What else are you have you been doing? I think watering is going to be a key thing we should talk about again because it's oh. going to be 90s and yeah. not I'd enough like rain. I like to do it at night. If I can get, you know, like, like say, about 7 o'clock and I'm watering not... I'm I'm watering underneath every plant. Well, now, now watering is not good at night necessarily because then you you risk um, powdery mildew. Don't you usually do it? Yeah, in the but morning? if you if you're if you're not splashing up. Oh, okay. And you got your mulch under there, then you can do that. And you know, it was I always watered when I was doing it from the rain barrels first thing in the morning. Sure. This at night, it's just that. Um, when I'm putting this down, it just seems like they might benefit more than um, than if I do it in the morning. I, it's hard to measure how much water you're putting down with a hose. It is. You know? Well, and that's why sometimes, you know, you could even put it in your, your pot, you know, put the water in a, a can yeah. or something and then dump it just to make sure. Because, you know, I've had problems where I've forgotten, left the water running, and then I actually ended up with a wet basement. <laughs> Oh gosh. <laughs> so you really have to be careful. And I've been using, I told you, I, I put an irrigation uh, system in my, my raised bed gardens. And basically yeah. it's a little soaker hose. And then I connect the, the other regular hose to it. And I can let it run for two, 20 minutes to a half an hour because it's coming out so slowly and it just gently soaks in. I mean, and I don't worry if I if I forget that for a while because it's it comes out so slowly. But that's really great to have that deep watering. So I've been doing that and it's been really a great thing for my vegetables because in the past, it was kind of hit or miss that I'd water them regularly, and then I'd be like, why don't these look very good? Well, they need that regular water, especially when they're developing the fruits. Like if you have tomato and, and all of a sudden you're, you you know, they're looking great and you kind of forget to water them, and when they're developing that fruits, they really need that to, to develop sure. that. In fact, sure. last night, I have peas already. I've been eating lots of peas. I swear oh. as I was, uh, had the, the soaker hose uh, irrigation system on last night that they were growing and I just kept eating and eating I said to Jeff I said I was out there as I was watering I swear they were growing <laughs> yeah you know uh, I was looking at my peas and and even though I have the support up for them which is some of that uh, cattle fencing for them to vine onto the wind is really blowing on top the yell I can't believe everything is just kind of waving around there so I'm going to take some smaller mesh and I'm going to cover the the uh, cattle fencing with that so they have a better chance of staying on I think smaller spaces for them because they are the kind of a plant they don't twist what they do is they cling with their little uh, uh, tendrils that they put out. So I'm, I'm going to take that up, and I think um, I'll just use some of these uh, twist and ties, those black plastic ones, and, and attach that really well to the cattle fencing and just give them that opportunity to maybe hang on and anchor themselves better because we have had a 
lot of wind. Oh, a terrible amount of wind. I, and I agree, and it dries things out. And like I said, I've seen people post things, especially with hanging baskets or something, and they look just terrible. Well, that yeah. wind is going to dry it off. So if you anyway can take it down out of that wind, uh, it's just, I mean, it's just basically like throwing it on the, the clothesline to dry, and that's kind of what it's doing except with the plants. Sure. And you know what, Karen, last year when we got that new um, tomato from Harvey, um, and not the tomato berry, the one we've got this year, but last year. Juliet. And what was it called? Uh, Juliet. Uh, Juliet? No, wait, or was it? It was a small one, tomato berry. Oh, the tomato berry. Okay, I thought you meant the other one we got. All right. No, yeah, no. tomato berry. Okay. Okay. And it was so productive. You yes. would get, like, on a big mature plant, which was easily five feet tall, you, you could pick 100 berries. 100 tomatoes. I mean, it was so productive. And and because of the wind, a lot of times they would fall off, and then I would just leave them underneath the plant. And then if, if I they started, you know, like they were rotting, I had to pick them up. Well, I didn't get them all picked up, obviously, <laughs> because now where I've got the peas, that's where the tomatoes were last year, and along that fence line that I had there, I would say, conservatively, I pulled out 30 little tomato plants. Oh, Barb, I am doing that every single day because both, both I had the tomato berry and the, and the other one, and, and they basically, I have tomatoes everywhere. So I just keep pulling them up like baby weeds, and if you just keep picking them like that, yeah, that's what you have to do, though, because otherwise you're going to have them way too crowded, and, and I don't need any more tomatoes, basically. I don't either, but you know what? What I thought about that was, you know, we fuss and we start these tomatoes under lights. How easy would it be if you <laughs> throw planted, them outside? <laughs> yeah, if you if you grew your seeds right in the ground when it got warm enough. I mean, it just seems like they might catch up. They might they might actually because they are growing at their own pace in their own soil in their own environment right from the get go. They might do better. But I it mean, seems like we all we need something to do at that time of the year, which is why <laughs> I think why we do it because we we're just like we got to do something to garden. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, I agree. That is so true. The other thing um, that I've had coming up in my garden now are I have this double uh, red uh, poppy, mm-hmm. and that has grown. I bet you that came up from seed, and some of the plants are eight inches tall. You know, it's just it's just remarkable how when something uh, left to its own devices like that, it will just really, really do well. Now, a, a plant that I started from a bulb that has not has just been miserable for me is the uh, um, Caladium lily, that flowering plant, and I have planted that when I came home from Georgia, the first of April. It just came through the soil this week. I have it in pots in the greenhouse. It just it just broke dormancy and came through. To 
took forever for that thing. Well, and that's why we a lot of times when nothing comes up, we think, oh, it must have died because, you know, it's not been that long that my hardy hibiscus have just come up. And, you know, in the past, I probably would have said, oh, they're dead. I'll dig them up. But I know now to wait. So that is the thing. Make sure you put a little marker or something because some things are just slower. Even within a species like hostas, there are some that were up right away. And others, I thought, well, you know, maybe they're gone and people think they're dead. So, yeah, you have to just be patient. And and the location is so important. You know, I have that that copper leafed hibiscus which I have on the south side. Oh my goodness, that's probably at least a foot tall now, just looking as healthy, glossy leaves looks great. I have one on the east side, uh, in poorer soil, but I've had it there for like thirty five years, so I'm not going to move it. That one has just come through. It's probably six inches tall. Leaves are very small on it, and uh, it, it's just it's in the wrong spot. It in a plant that big needed to be in a different spot. It's it's in the a foundation planting. That's not a good place when when it's going to grow that much, and and there's not that much space between the foundation and where the sidewalk starts. And and sometimes Barb's husband will ask her, why do you keep moving things around all the time? It's like somebody <laughs> wanting to move furniture. It's like that in the garden. I'm the same way where sometimes I'll go, I should move this over here. Well, sometimes you do because it's better for the plant and maybe something didn't work out. And sometimes it's just because you just feel like switching the look up. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, And you know, um, I had that shooting star, which I was showing you in my garden, which is a nice, a nice plant. But the hostas, that were the companion plant, absolutely covered that plant. And I You mean that one you gave me that was so giant it took like three No, big, oh. it wasn't that one. It was one closer up to the front. Oh. It, it, oh, yeah, wait a minute. There was one there, too. And so I had three of them in different spots with the hostas, and they were all their leaves were laying on the ground, and I thought, this is the wrong time to move something, but I think I've got to move this into the shade more and and give it some better soil and water it and just watch it. So I moved it into my nursery to watch over it, and, and the roots looked just fine on it. They looked really, really great. And, and I, you know, making those changes, we're almost out of time here, Barb, so I'm just going to add, if you do have questions like that, call the extension agent, because if you don't know what to do, and rather than experiment, like Barb and I, we just do that because that's who we are. But if you don't want to waste time, call your extension agent, and they can usually answer and make right. a, a good choice right away. And if you're one of those people that calls and you don't get someone, but you get your, their voicemail and you don't leave a message, don't do that because they won't know that you called and they want to help you. They're there and they're ready to do that. Absolutely. So, well, well, Barb, I want to thank you for chatting with us. We're out of time, but uh, we're going to talk with you again next week. All right. All right. Good deal. Have a good week. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye, Bye. Bye.